Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. It's always an honor and a blessing to bring you the Word of God. I have a very special guest today, and our topic for today will be looking at uh, Freedom Stats today. Your freedom starts today. Now listen to this here. The body of Christ is uh, filled with people who are struggling, or should I say the church is filled with people who are struggling. Often they struggle secretly with addictions of all kinds, such as porn, uh, drugs or pills, food, lack of money, alcohol, social media, uh, body image, status as well, as well as sex and uh, anxiety. My guest on today's program, uh, uh, John Elmo, is, a, is, is no stranger to addiction. 15 years ago, 15 years ago, he put a loaded gun to his head and later had three doctors tell him he was about to die from alcoholism. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with my guest. My name is John Elmore, author of Freedom Starts Today, Overcoming Struggles and Addictions One Day at a Time. As a recovering alcoholic and now the director of the world's largest Christ-centered 12-step recovery program, I've literally met with thousands of addicts and strugglers who come through the doors of the church asking, how can I get free from this lifelong, decades-long struggle? And what I tell them is, hey, could you quit for the rest of your life? And I said, no, but I'd like to. But the answer is no. History would say no. And I say, I know that. Could you, by God's strength, quit for the next 24 hours? And the answer to that is always, yeah, I could go 24 hours. And I said, great, then let's do that. And we start to walk one day at a time together with that proactive commitment to sobriety from whatever the struggle is for 24 hours. And that's how they find freedom in Christ. The reason why I've written this right now is because not only is that how God used this to set me from over 12 years of alcoholism, but also right now throughout the world, our nation and in our churches, we've got a porn epidemic, we've got a pill and opioid crisis, there's body image and eating disorder, control and anxiety are through the roof that are leading to mental illness and suicidal ideation. There is just addiction rampant and it's happening within the church. And so we have to provide an answer. So many churches don't have a recovery ministry and pastors aren't equipped to address this. And so we want to get a tool into the hands of the people, those who are struggling, those who are in Christ and yet suffering in silence to say there is a way out. Jesus has given a way out with the body of Christ in a proactive decision one day at a time. Freedom Starts Today does just that. It's not some huge theology on addiction. An addict and struggler doesn't have time for that. Instead, 
It's a very practical next step that they can put into place immediately, day one, as they pick up that book. Thank you so much for your efforts to get this in the hands of people so that we can see addiction eradicated from the church. Your freedom starts today. Pastor John is here with me, uh, and I just want to welcome him on the program. Welcome, man of God, on this program today. Dr. Kazumba, it's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to speak today and to boast about our weakness so that we can talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and his strength. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's so good just talking to you, seeing where God has taken you. And uh, today now you are the Senior Director of Pastoral Care and uh, Director of Recovery at Automac Community Church in uh, Dallas. And as we speak right now, Dallas is experiencing some challenges. Can you just talk a little bit about that before we go into the questions that I have for you? Sure. Thank you so much for your prayers. I know the world's eyes right now have turned somewhat to Texas because of the historic cold that has hit us. Our, our buildings and homes, our infrastructure is not prepared for this kind of cold. And so we've had all of our water mains and pipes are bursting. There's not clean water. There's not been power for many parts of the city and Metroplex for about five to six days. And so temperatures indoor, inside houses are 40 degrees, if not lower. Um, food is, is scarce because of grocery stores, and, and there's probably six inches of snow covering the ground in, in Texas, which is very strange. So all, all prayers are welcome. I ask you, our viewers, as you're watching or listening to this program, to put Texas into our prayers and stand with uh, the people of Texas uh, as well as the United States. Now, I'm going to go to this question here. You run the world's largest weekly recovery program regeneration but you are no stranger to addiction can you share your little bit of your story with us to start off absolutely dr kazumba thanks so much for asking and allowing me to do so so i am a recovering alcoholic i'm now 15 years sober but from 18 to 30 uh, i was what you would call a functional alcoholic meaning uh, my life was not falling apart at the seams. I was able to have a good job. I was in sales. I had the girl, the money, the house, another house or lake property, uh, the nice cars, the BMW, the Land Rover. And yet I had an ache in my soul that I could not find peace to. Um, there was a longing. There was an emptiness. Uh, it all felt just in vain, no matter how much money or how, many, how much pleasure. Uh, there was just this... Uh, worthlessness. And I, I literally was like, am I going to spend the next 40 years doing this, just working hard, making money, getting drunk, getting the girl, go to sleep, work hard, get drunk, get the girl, get my, it was just like, I was, felt like a dog chasing my tail. And so uh, at 30 years old, having found that the woman that I was with was with another man, I loaded a 12 gauge shotgun and called my friend about a hundred times because my plan was to kill him and then kill myself. Uh, the Bible says that sin leads to death. It's Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And I just thought that was a scare tactic from youth pastors that sin leads to death. But there I was at the age of 30 with a gun to my head and I had three doctors tell me, if you keep drinking like this, you will die. Now at that point in my life, I didn't care. I wanted to die because I had no hope. Uh, I, I had no desire to live. I didn't want to commit suicide because I knew it would hurt my family, but I just hoped that I wouldn't wake up one day. But uh, the scripture continues, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
-hmm. in not many paths of the mountain, but it is found in and only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he rescued me and set my life on a whole new direction that I never could have fathomed. And I'm so thankful. Your transparency is something that is going to free a lot of people, a lot of us from hiding behind our struggles and addictions. But let me ask you this question here. Only 7% of churches have a recovery program. Why is this an issue and what can we do uh, or what can be done to solve it? That's a wise question, Dr. Kazumba. So I think that in the church, greatly in part, we have stopped talking about sin and we have stopped talking about repentance. And so we quite literally put on our Sunday best, our clothing, and we put on our Sunday best as far as our attitude and our appearance. And so when people ask us how we're doing, we say great, even though internally we are struggling with sin. First John 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so with just 7% of churches having a recovery ministry, meaning a place where people can go to talk openly about the sin and the struggles, the addictions, the secret suffering that they have, then you have people suffering in silence. And there's this veneer of Christianity where people, they've trusted in Jesus for their salvation, meaning their justification. They'll go to heaven when they die. But as far as this side of eternity, people have these addictions and struggles and they're not getting freedom from them, which is why um, I've written this book, Freedom Starts Today, so that people can have a pathway out. Because I think in a lot of cases, uh, we're just trying to eke out this spiritual existence. When Jesus said, there is, he, he came for freedom. It's Galatians 5.1, for freedom I have set you free. And Romans 6 says that we are no longer slaves to sin. And yet when that slavery remains to our sin, there's a disconnect. There's a problem. But we're told in Galatians 5.16 that if we walk by the Spirit, that's our command, then there is a promise. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so there is a message here that everyone has sin. We all need repentance. And there is freedom in Christ, true freedom from whatever has ensnared you. This is why Jesus came and rose again. What is the number one cause of addiction, you would say? I think the number one cause, so this is what I would tell people, is that alcohol was not my problem. Alcohol was my solution. I'm going to say that again. Alcohol wow. was not my problem. Alcohol was my solution. And in the same way, there's many listeners out there and for you, it's not alcohol. It's pornography. It's uh, controlling and nagging with your husband. It's making sure that um, you're more wealthy than your neighbor, or you have the nicer things, the nicer clothes, the nicer cars, the nicer home. Uh, it's all these different things that we place our worth, our value, and we will pacify the ache in our soul when, in, as Acts 17 says, in him we live and move and have our being. As Jeremiah the prophet said, we have hewned out broken cisterns that hold no water in exchange for living water that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so these addictions, you know, James tells us that desire, our, our earthly desires, our fleshly desires lead to sin. And when sin grows, it conceives, and gives birth to death. And so the progression is desire, sin, death. Desire, sin, death. Every time, if it's not checked by the Holy Spirit. So oftentimes, we try to get free by our own strength, mm -hmm. uh, by our own willpower. And Forbes and Inc. Magazine did a study on New Year's resolutions because most, 80% of New Year's resolutions fail 
by the 18th of January. They call it quitter's day. They don't even last two and a half weeks. And the reason why, they did a follow-up study, said, why is everyone dumping their New Year's resolutions two weeks in? Because they know they, they have something they want to change. They know they want to get rid of something. And yet two and a half weeks in, they don't even make it a full year. The follow-up study revealed because they don't have enough willpower. That was the number one reason. I didn't have enough willpower. Well, of course, this is exactly what the scripture says. That's why Paul wrote to the Galatians. And he says, this began as a work of the Spirit, and your sanctification will continue as a work of the Spirit. You can't, there is not enough willpower in any human being to conquer sin's power. Now, God's power kills all of sin's power. And so you've got to bring God into the fight. Dr. Kazumba, if I, if I may, there I, I spent a summer in Sudan, in southern Sudan. Yes. I, I went there because post-Darfur uh, and the Civil War from the north, uh, people were left just devastated. There were landmines in the fields. They had destroyed every building. Um, and in the aftermath of that, the men that survived were finding respite or relief just in alcohol. They were drinking from these moonshine stills on the side of the road. And so I went there and I walked through the villages in Kajokeji, Sudan. And I said, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I used to drink like you. Jesus saved me. Now, by the same principles that are in this book, we would meet under a mango tree and we would make it a daily decision by God's strength not to drink. And let me tell you what happened. The entire town started making up lies saying this American has brought strong medicine and money. And he is paying the people not to drink and giving them medicine to get free from their addictions because they had no category. They had no ability to know how could these town drunks be free from such a powerful foe. And it was all because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's ability to kill sin and to give people not a better life, but a new life. That is regeneration to be born again. And so that's what, that's what God does, and it's what he will do for your listeners. Now, man of God, we're going to move along here because uh, what you're sharing is uh, a life saver for a lot of people. I come from that background where God delivered me, and he continued to work in my life by being transparent to what was consuming me. And this is uh, why this is so important because a lot of people are going to find uh, freedom, not shame. This leads me to this question I have here. Many people are afraid to get help for their addiction because they feel ashamed. What can they do to overcome the feeling of being ashamed for their issues? Dr. Kazumba, that's such an important question. And you just hit the feeling that everyone thinks is, I have this struggle, but if I go forward and I talk about it, then I will be shunned, I will be condemned, I will be shamed, and they will leave me or put me out of the church. And you have to have a greater faith than your greatest fear. And so if that's your fear to be shamed, you must have faith over that. You have to have faith that God's way, it says in Romans 8, leads to life and peace. The mindset in accordance with the Spirit is life and peace. And so what you do is you follow God's way, and God's way is His Word, and His Word is His will. And his will is the way out. So James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be shamed, you may be shunned, you may be condemned. No, so that you may be healed. 
Amen. The healing comes in confession and prayer. And it says to one another, meaning this is not to a priest sitting in a box, but that we are to do this reciprocally one to another, that if someone confesses sin, your response should be to pray for them and then to confess your own sin so that they should pray for you so that God would bring healing. Mm -hmm. If you want to be forgiven, you confess to God. That's 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you want to be healed, God has so ordained that we don't do that alone, but it is through the body of Christ. That's James 5.16, where we confess to one another. Proverbs 28.13 is another important verse where it says, um, he who conceals his sins, so if you keep it a secret, you keep it hidden, uh, will not prosper. You will not advance. You will not go forward in life. You will be stuck. You will be stuck in your sin, just like Achan, who had sin in the camp. But the verse continues. It says, whoever... Uh, confesses and renounces, that's confession and repentance, will find mercy. And Mm -hmm. if when you confess and renounce, you do not find mercy, you need to find a new church because that church is not living according to the scriptures. You had 90 days. You chose 90 days. Is it to write the the, the book? Yes, sir. The the book, it's, uh, I tell people it's not a book that you read. It's a book that you do. And so every day there's a 10-minute segment where you read through. There's a story tied to a biblical passage, um, a space for you to journal your prayer, and then you make a proactive decision. Dr. Kazumba, I would say it this way. When someone told me, I mean, doctors told me, if you don't quit drinking, you'll die. But I had no conception of how to live a lifetime sober. It was so ingrained into my life. I didn't know what you did on the weekend, after work, at a holiday. I couldn't imagine life without alcohol, but someone asked me, could you stay sober for the next 24 hours by God's strength? And of course I could. I could go one day. And that was the answer. Then just go one day. Don't don't focus on forever. Focus on tomorrow. And this is what Jesus says. He says he'll give us daily bread, not annual bread, not lifetime bread. He says, here's enough for today and I'll see you tomorrow. I'll give you enough. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's will get enough words of its own. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness today. And so this is a 90-day walk into freedom, proactively, one day at a time. Now, how does a prayer journal help someone overcome addiction? Yeah, we are, we are forgetful people. We're very forgetful. I was reading just this morning, in my Bible where I'll, I'll write out prayers beside a passage. And it was something from 20, uh, three years ago. And it's come to pass. And it was this book, actually. The entry was from 2017, so I guess now four years. And I had written, Lord, is it your will for me to write a book about how to get free from sin one day at a time, just 24 hours? And I was petitioning the Lord. And you have no idea. Now when I read that, when I read those words, what does that make me do? Mm-hmm. That makes me real. It's an Ebenezer. I realized the Lord has done this. He put that on my heart. He heard my prayer and he answered my prayer because right there beside my book is, well, in your hands in Africa is the book that was written that was a prayer of mine. And so what you do is you look backwards when you journal your, journal your prayers and you see the Lord fulfilled that. Even though I forgot that I even prayed that, the Lord fulfilled it. And what he did, he will do again just probably in different ways. It says in Hebrews 13, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always, meaning he lives to fulfill his promises. But we forget, 
And when you write those down, and then you can look backwards, you will remember. It's why throughout the Bible, they talk so much about the Exodus, right? Like the Exodus is in the Psalms. It's in the New Testament in 1 first, first Corinthians. There's so much talk about the Exodus. Why? Because God wants us to remember, I free people from slavery. Don't ever forget. I did it in the Old Testament. I do it in the New Testament. And I'm doing it still in the church age. Don't ever forget that I am the one who sets the captives free. In Freedom Stats today, this powerful book here, this practical book, you list 10 C's of seeking God's will. Which C do you think is the most important when it comes to addiction? You know, Dr. Kazumba, it's hard to answer just one. I'm going to give you three because I think they are the three essential things. Um, as you're looking for God's will, you have to consider three things that I believe God says these are of utmost importance. The first is the counselor. Jesus tells us, when I go, I will send the counselor, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of us, who ministers to us, comforts us in our affliction. And here's what we forget. John Owen, the great theologian from the 1600s, he said this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. We have to go on the offensive. But he also said this, do not neglect the negative work of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first heard that, and I first read that in the book, Mortification of Sin, I thought, the negative work of the Holy Spirit, how can you say that? That's blasphemous. Everything the Holy Spirit does must be positive. But what I learned was John Owen, what he called the negative work of the Holy Spirit, was the killing of sin. He called the positive work of the Holy Spirit the, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He calls the negative work of the Holy Spirit Romans 8.13, where it says, If you put to death by the Spirit the deeds of the flesh, you will live. And so the counselor, you've got to bring God into the fight. God, the Holy Spirit, he is of utmost importance. The other is the canon, meaning the canon of Scripture. Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them, meaning the church, by truth. Your word is truth. And so sanctification happens through the word of God. We've got to be in the word daily. And then thirdly, uh, is, and you could call this two or three different C's, but I would call it the church or community. The community of God, the church of God. You've got to be a part, a member under the authority of elders, of a local Christ-following, Christ-exalting, Bible-preaching church so that you can be fed, so that you can be shepherded, and so that you can use your gifts. Every single person who is trusted in Christ has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit to further the kingdom. So often we're running to sin because we're sitting on the sideline and we're not doing the good works that God's created us to do. All of life is to know Him and make Him known. But so often we're just toying with what the world offers when the kingdom of God is at hand. So the counselor, the church, and the canon of scripture. But let me go to this powerful question before we finish our program today. And I think this is a very important topic. Sorry, question here. How does someone know they are addicted? And what are some common signs? Mm, this is important, Dr. Kazumba, because many people, they, heard that, they hear that word and they think, well, I'm not addicted to drugs. My, my neighbor, my nephew, uh, maybe my spouse, they need this, but I, but I don't think I do uh, because addiction sounds so extreme. But uh, 
even in first john he concludes the entire letter on love and how you know you can be saved by saying dear children keep yourselves from idols because an idol will give you what you want because in the end it is you that it wants and sin is ensnaring and so any sin that we are toying with uh, has an addictive nature to it not just spiritually but in our brain pathways physiologically you can get addicted and so there can be an addiction to sleep to food to lust to porn to alcohol certainly to substance to body image to materialism to greed and here are some uh, just a few d's beginning with the letter d that i would give you as a little bit of a diagnostic to see the first would be duration how long has this thing been your thing so oftentimes as i'm speaking with men and women who are struggling with pornography I say, well, how long have you, when were you first exposed to pornography and how long has it been going on? They say, oh, it's, it's been two or three decades. Wow. Well, two or three decades uh, sounds more like an addiction than a struggle because you know that it's wrong. You want to quit. You've pled with God to take it away and yet it remains. So two or three decades, duration matters. The other D would be daily. Is this something that you go to daily? Something that's consuming your thoughts daily? And even if you're not using this particular thing daily, would you like to if you could? If it wouldn't cost you something, if it wouldn't cost your marriage or your job or whatever, it, would you go to it daily? The other one would be depth. So we just saw, unfortunately, with Robbie Zacharias, great you know, worldwide <laughs> apologist, uh, he did not begin by abusing massage therapists. That, no. it, it didn't start that way. It started with a, a thought. It started with a lingering glance at a woman. And then it progresses. And so there is a depth that happens um, for many people. Uh, for me, uh, it started with a, a beer, one single beer. But then over the course of time, that depth led to drinking 750 mils of scotch in one night. And so there's a depth to it. There's a depravity to it. Pornography may start as looking at lingerie and then progress to terrible, uh, evil images on screen. Depth, depravity, duration, daily. There's a destructive nature to it. Do you see this destroying your life and the lives of those around you? Those are some of the indicators that you can say, like, this has become a, a much greater problem than a struggle. I just uh, quit drinking coffee after 15 years. After 15 years, but here's how it started, like you said. It started when I was in Bible college, when I was studying the Word of God. I didn't want to sleep. I needed to study more. A cup, one cup here. And uh, before I knew it, I became actually addicted to it. I couldn't function without coffee in my system. And now, this leads me to this question that I have for you. Because uh, when I started giving up coffee, it's like my whole world was just crashing down. I wanted to go and take another cup of coffee to just overcome that. So it gets me to this last question I have for you. Recovering from an addiction is difficult. What should someone do if they begin recovery but relapses during, during that recovery period? Mm. Thank you for saying that. So many people are so filled with shame because they desire, they long to be free. They, they pursue the Lord and yet they fall. And I have really good news for you. Every single person will fall this side of eternity. This is a state of sanctification. And so it, it's not that you're going to be sinless. There was one sinless man who ever walked this earth and we have trusted in him for the forgiveness of our sins because he rose again. 
It's not about being sinless. It's about sinning less. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Amen. And so we should be moving towards Christ likeness. But the reality is, is that we are going to fall. And when we do, we should fall forward. As the proverb says, the righteous falls seven times, yet rises again. And so uh, this is important if you start counting your days and say, for me, like, oh, I've been, I've been sober for 15 years. Well, really, I've been sober for about 10 hours since I got up. Because if I'm to drink today, the last 15 years don't matter. What yes. matters is today. What matters is, is that I seek the Lord today. And it's not just, I'm so glad you mentioned coffee because some people think like, oh, give me a break. Coffee, like I have a real struggle. Yeah. But any allowance of sin, pattern, addiction into our life is just going to grow and spread. And so you're very wise to say that. That's going to be freeing to listeners to know that no matter what it is, uh, Romans 13, 14 says, clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And in 1 Corinthians, it says, everything's permissible. Coffee is permissible, yeah. but not everything is per, uh, beneficial. Yeah. And as you just said, Dr. Kazumba, I will not be mastered by anything. And so you're looking at your life and saying, this has taken mastery over me. No, Jesus is my master, not coffee, nor anything else. And so I must put it to death. You don't have to feel ashamed of what you're struggling, what is going on in your life. We are not here to tell you that uh, we better, but we're telling you the testimony of how God has helped us overcome certain things and we continue to overcome because that's how life is all about. I want, before I ask uh, 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 John here, to tell us where you can get the copy of, of, of his book. This is, a, this is a masterpiece. I call it a masterpiece. I was reading it there uh, uh, last night as I was getting ready for this uh, interview. But I want to tell you this. This will give you the insight of how you can live a life of freedom today. It can begin today. I want to give this book to that special one who's going to email info at kitvnetwork.com. You're going to see it on your email uh, on the screen there or email me directly life at kazumbachows.com. I want to give that person who is transparent and honest with themselves saying, I want to live an overcoming life. I want to change, be it pornography, be it whatever you yourself know you struggle with. I want to send and put this book in your hand. Man of God, where can the people get the copies of this book? Sure. Any, anywhere books are sold, uh, online would be easy, Amazon, uh, christianbooks.com, any, any of those online things. If they just search for it, they'll find various links that'll be available in their area. And I would like to, within the U.S. or maybe continental, so Canada could, Canada could be included, I'd like to match your gift. And so you can you can send me that, Dr. Kazumba. Uh, if another one emails from North America, I would be so happy to send them one as well. I would like to master your gift. Thank you, man of God, for coming on this program. Thank you, Dr. Kazumba. It's been my joy. I'm so thankful for our new friendship. God bless you, my brother. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Until then, shalom, shalom. God bless you. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith. 
with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at kazumbacharles.com and share your testimony. 